0: Welcome to Holy Shenanigans, I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a poet, a pastor, and a podcaster. In the HSP neighborhood, we encourage the spiritual practice of looking and listening for the sacred in everyday life. This is what we call Holy Shenanigans. The season of Advent, of waiting for Christmas, is here and all month long, I will be sharing stories and resources to help point us to hope, peace, joy, joy. And love. Thank you for joining us for week three of Advent, as we're invited to be forerunners for joy. What does it mean to be a forerunner for joy? This week's gospel lesson from Matthew 11 tells the story of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who was a prophet. John was to fulfill the calling to be a messenger of joy sent before Christ. When Jesus speaks to the crowds of his cousin John, he says this, What did you go out to the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. John was a prophet and something more. John was to prepare the way for Christ's work of forgiveness and mercy. And so John did. He was an out of the box kind of guy. He did not live in ways that most people did. He wore garments of camel skins. He ate locust and honey. He spent most of his time in the wilderness of the desert, and he did as he was called. He was a forerunner for the sake of joy. And so in this third week of Advent, we are also called to the work of being forerunners for joy. Will we need to switch out our wardrobe with camel skins, live off of honey and locusts, and live in the wilderness that is closest to us? Not likely. Being a forerunner of joy can show up in everyday holy shenanigans, just like one that I recently experienced. I sat with a group of children as we worked on Advent crafts. The table was full of bits and bobs of pipe cleaners, beads, ribbon, and glue. We delighted in what we made, we had so much fun, and then we held up our items as a show and tell. I decided in the midst of this show and tell to add a little more humor to the conversation. And so I shared a photo from a Thanksgiving Day turkey trot run. In the picture was myself and a person beside me dressed up in a turkey costume. I asked the kids, hey there, have you ever seen a human-sized turkey, like as tall as a grown-up? The kids looked at me with wonder and curiously asked to see the photo of the human-sized turkey. I turned my phone to show them the photo and asked, Who is the human-sized turkey? The one in the blue hoodie, me, or the other one? They all said in sincere agreement, The turkey turkey! I insisted one more time and said, But what about the person in the blue hoodie? Are you sure they aren't a turkey? No, no, you are not the turkey. The turkey is the turkey. We all had a good laugh, and then I leaned towards one of the children who was sitting quite quietly next to me. I asked them, Are you sure I'm not a turkey? hoping to get a smile. But with great solemnity, the child replied, Pastor, I don't abide mean jokes. You are not A turkey. I won't abide it. I won't abide it. I won't abide mean jokes. You are not a turkey. You are not a turkey. Point taken. What I had thought was a harmless joke to make fun of myself a bit in hopes to help the kids laugh was something much different in the eyes of this child. At that table of fun and creativity, They only wanted table talk of affirmation, encouragement, and you guessed it, joy. Kids say the darndest things, don't they? Kids more often than that are the forerunners of joy. And in this small exchange of who's the turkey, I learned that the world is in excellent hands, the hands and hearts of children that won't abide meanness. This week's special guest and forerunner of joy is the author of over 500 books, Dandy Daly Mackle. I invite you to take a seat around our table of kindness and learn a little bit more about her brand new book, Three Wise Women. This book began as a 20-year personal study of scripture, and then the culture and background of Mary, Elizabeth, and Anna, the prophetess. It is the season of joy, and I am so excited to have here with me Dandy Daly Mackle. She is an author of many books in a lot of different genres, I was given a copy of her newest book, Three Wise Women, 40 Devotions Celebrating Advent with Mary, Elizabeth, and Anna. I am so excited, Dandy, to hear more about you, to learn about your writing life, and how joy has impacted your world. Thanks for having me, too. And I'm so glad I get the joy. <laughs> I knew joy was the perfect week for you, Dandy. Yes, it is. <laughs> So, Dandy, could you tell us a little bit more about your career or your life in writing?
1: You know, I think I started writing before I could hold a pencil. We were a family of storytellers, and I was blessed with a mom and dad who could tell a good story and they were both in World War II, Army doctor and Army nurse. That's where they met and got married two weeks later. So. <laughs> and then we're in different countries for the rest of the war. I'd always say, oh, tell me another story. Tell me another story. And you just kind of learn by family storytelling. You learn the structure of a story. And so I just kept writing like all through school. And then I went to University of Missouri, which was a great journalism school. After that, I was a missionary behind the Iron Curtain on the border of Poland, Czechoslovakia. And I wrote my first real book there. And I did write it undercover in two ways because they made me a down comforter because it was so cold. (laughs) But anyway... (laughs) It was out of chicken feathers, but it was great. Wow. So that was a start. And then I did inspirationals and nonfiction, how-tos, Christian life things. And then when I had kids, I switched channels. And I started writing board books and then picture books and then chapter books and then middle grade and young adult. And now my kids are adults, but I have grandkids. So
0: I never let go of any of the genres sort of age groups. And that's how I've gotten to write a lot. The breadth of your writing reminds me very <laughs> much of a favorite author of mine, um, Madeline Langle.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm honored to even be in the same sentence <laughs> as she is. <laughs> Editors and publishers have always tried to kind of corner me and have one thing to write what they are publishing of me, because then I could be the picture book author, you know, or the Christian middle grade series writer. Or Mm -hmm. but you know, if God just led in other ways,
0: what I'm gonna say is, you know, okay, I'll write that one. That sounds cool. So it's been good. The practice of creating for myself is a joy. And currently one of the things that I'd like to make obviously is this podcast, but the way that I have expressed creativity has been through music in the past or poetry or Uh, writing or, you know, lots of different ways, even visual art. And so I think that being open to those different ways of expressing who we are is an important part of instilling joy in the world and in ourselves, right?
1: Yeah, and I get so much joy out of writing, just even a line or a word that I know I never would have thought of on my own. Mm -hmm. And that happened more in this Three Wise Women book, Mm -hmm. I think, than it's ever happened before. Remember Art Linkletter, wrote Kids Say the Darnest Things? Well, I got to write the sequel, Kids Are Still Saying the Darnest Things. So I traveled and asked kids all over the U.S. the same kind of questions and... My favorite was, what does God look like? The first time I asked it was in Missouri. I'll never forget. And every hand went up in kindergarten. It's like they all knew what he looked like. And the best answer was a gal who said, well, he's really, 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 really old, like 23. (laughs) (laughs) But he never looks a day older every time you see him. Mm. And I thought, how touching is that? And then I'd ask, what does Jesus look like? And of course you get, you know, regular descriptions, but this one little boy said, he looks just like God, but with real fingers and toes. Mm. I thought, yeah. And one Christmas season in December, as I started reading again about Mary, I thought I want real fingers and toes. I want to go deeper because these were real people. And they deserve to be seen as real people. So I poured it on with the cultural studies and the background and what the life of a girl who could be betrothed at the age of 12 plus a day and what her life must seem like to her and what her goals would be and what she would want. And then I journaled just for me as if I were married. Just getting inside of her was amazing. And I did that for, well, 20 years ago is when I started.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) Yes. Of course, I was only three at the time. For those of you who can't see the screen (laughs) right now, could I read a paragraph? You can. Just a little one from the book. That'd be so fun. Yes, please. Okay. This is Mary. Yesterday, Elizabeth and I sat beneath a tall cedar tree and gazed at the hills toward Jerusalem. Stillness and peace enveloped us while we listened to the morning doves sing from a distant branch, the woodsy scent of the cedar calmed every anxious thought. Suddenly, Elizabeth burst into laughter. What is it, I asked. She could not answer, but leaned back on her blanket and stroked her belt. Mary, look at us. One old dried-up Hebrew woman and one child. Yet inside of us, she said, suddenly breathless, as with a sacred awe is the fate of the whole world. She is great with child, and my small body is still a child's, and the fate of all humanity is right here on a worn blanket at the edge of a hill. Such a plan, our God in heaven must have as much humor as humility.
0: I just knew this week was going to be the perfect week for our conversation as we talk about joy, but also because the the text tells the story of John the Baptist being this forerunner. And here you have this beautiful book of 40 devotions with Mary and Elizabeth and Anna, who also were forerunners for the forerunner, right? Mm -hmm. And I think
1: those three women knew secrets of joy that we need to know and practice too. In the very name, Emmanuel, God with us. That's where the joy is. I love that Psalm 1611, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And if that's what you're seeking, you know, you're seeking eternal joys instead of what you're going to get for Christmas or (laughs) or where you get to go if you get a vacation. Those kind of things fall through, but since God never changes, those eternal joys are always there. I think some of my deepest joyful moments have been in absolutely worst times of my life. Mm-hmm. I remember when our daughter was three and she woke up and she couldn't hear anything. And then the next day she had lost some of her sight. The doctor painted the picture of what her life was going to be like, and Mm. it's been a tough road. She was not supposed to live past puberty, and she's been living with us, you know, the whole time, and she is a joy, Mm. but I just remember thinking that's the only way I'm going to get through this is with Christ's presence and being so thankful that that's right
0: there. You had mentioned before, you know, God with Mm -hmm. fingers and toes, that's a new way for me to think about Emmanuel, God with us. And then I also love the way God calls us to be co-forerunners of Mm -hmm. joy with our lives as well, with our fingers and our toes and our gifts and just who we are. Yeah. It reminds me of different times in my life that God has placed people to fill my cup of joy. Um, times I remember when our daughter was really little and I felt homesick for home and homesick for family. And we were living apart away from them and who moved in kitty corner to our apartment. But, um, this couple, Jackie and John, and they had moved from the whole other side of the country away from their family and they were missing their kids and grandkids. And we were like stitched together in a way. That like they would come over and spend time with us and be like, oh, you need to go to the store. We'll watch the baby, you know, oh. and, you know, and just but it, think if you hadn't done that, you would have been robbed. Of oh, your joy. Yeah. yeah. It was just the start of something really beautiful where that relationship carried on for years and years after, oh. you know, we moved to different places. It's um, a big blessing. And both of you took it. Could you tell us a story about that? I've got a lot of best friends, but
1: my best writing and praying friend, we started it by being thrown together at a writer's conference into the same room. And we are as opposite as can be. (laughs) I would rather delve into the scripture and curl up under cover and, you know, read than go where all the action is and the wild kind of celebrations you have at conferences and she did not want to miss a trick. And so (laughs) we didn't get off to a great start. And then God gave us a second chance. I went to a small writers group and I would not have gone if I'd known that she was the head of it, but it was too late by the time I got there. (laughs) And she followed me and made me go to lunch and talk and everything. But boy, over the years, God changed both of us in good ways We've lived in all kinds of different states and even countries, and yet we call each other every morning and pray about a lot of stuff. That was a joy that God brought, mm-hmm. just and place you on us. your
0: own blanket together.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah.
0: So I know that um, this time of the holidays, we can make wish lists for all sorts of things, mm-hmm. but. For the fun of it, if you had a wish for this Advent season, what would that wish be?
1: It just would be so lovely to be in Christ's presence every single minute. So for me to remember, so that at the end of Advent, that I wouldn't look back and say, gosh, I was so busy. I don't even remember talking to Christ this morning or this afternoon or whatever, that I would pull away enough, even if it's just half a minute, to say thanks to Jesus and say it all day long and have that be the focus. And then if I get two wishes, it would be that all my children and my grandchildren move in that direction too, even if it's just one thing, Mm -hmm. that
0: it would stay with them and bring them closer to Christ. There's a poem that talks about the work of Christmas. Um, and how the work of Christmas is only just beginning. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful poem that I usually use in the precipice of Christmas into New Year because it's such a good sending. When the bells are stilled, you know, the work of Christmas begins. Ah, oh, that's great. But that's he says great. it much better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super. If you would allow me to give you a blessing of joy, I would. Love it. In words, yeah. I love to read all sorts of kinds of poets. Um and so I've been looking at Rumi, which is a different tradition, but has this most beautiful statement that I think is fitting to our conversation on joy today. Okay. And it says, "My cure My heart wandered through the world, constantly seeking after my cure. But the sweet, delicious water of life had to break through the granite of my heart. Oh, that's great. Thank you. You're welcome. And I I think that that is that gift of Emmanuel, God with us, right? Breaking through Uh the granite of our hearts, stitching us together in relationships that we never thought possible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Dandy, for being with us at Holy Shenanigans Podcast for this Advent season and encouraging us in your work with this book and in all of your writing and in our conversation today. How um, we have been encouraged to continue that work of being forerunners of hope, peace, joy, and love in the world.
1: Well, thank you. I can say the same for you,
0: Miss. <laughs> <laughs> To learn more about Dandy's books, visit her at www.dandybooks.com. Kids say the darndest things, don't they? So in honor of the child who longs for and is a forerunner of joy, I share their words as this week's brief example of important, essential, joyful prose. I won't abide it. I won't abide mean jokes you are not a turkey. You are not a turkey. I am your Holy Shenanigans muse, Tara Lamont Eastman. Thank you for joining us this week for Holy Shenanigans that surprise, encourage, redirect, and turn life upside down, all in the name of love. This is an unpredictable Advent adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy. Thanks to Dandy Mackle and Paraclete Press for this week's conversation. And always to you, Holy Shenanigans podcast listeners who support our work by way of www.buymeacoffee.com backslash Tara L. Eastman. And so as we are forerunners for joy this third week of Advent, I affirm that you are not a turkey. I won't abide it. You are beloved.